Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. Hey friends, today we have a guest unlike any other we've had on to date. Heather Rhodes is not only a fellow traveler on this journey, she's a holistic pharmacist and passion might be too soft of a word for what she feels about her career. This girl is on fire to help women walking through infertility and I'm so excited for you to hear her holistic approach to this journey. I did not realize until we got out of the season that the enemy had a hold on me and really just created this sense of hopelessness. And that caused me, it, it made our journey, I th- I feel like just so dark. I don't know how to describe it besides dark or just really being in a valley. But when we are in valleys, like we have a light that is not just inside of us, but also beside of us. And so when the enemy comes in and like tries to just block that and you are caught up in hopelessness and you can't see it, the light is still there, but it's like you're putting a blindfold on your eyes as you're walking through this valley. I just encourage women as they go through it, like just find other people that can speak light and truth into you and really just like seek out any hope the Lord has for you and armor yourself up because that is a place that the enemy will try to attack us every single time. I love how she tells us to armor up. Heather is the kind of woman, the kind of fighter that you want in your corner. And I hope today just a little bit of her passion and her faith wears off on you. So let's get to my conversation with Heather. Hey, Heather. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, Kaylee. Thank you for having me. So you're a wife, you're a mom, you live in Charleston, I just found out, and you're a holistic pharmacist. So tell us more about who you are and who your family is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so my name's Heather and everything you mentioned is correct. I have a one-year-old son named Judah. We adopted him last May at birth. Um, and he has just changed our life, um, for Hmm. only, only good things. And then he's a little spoiled if you can't tell. Um, (laughs) and then my husband, Ben, um, we met in college and then got married. Um, and then I went to pharmacy school and he started working. So we did a little bit of long distance and, um, yeah, we kind of like lived just married life for a few years, decided it was time to try for babies. Um, and God kind of had a different plan for us. And so I can say now, like, I'm really grateful for what that plan is and was and has been, um, cause we have our little Judah. And so right. we recently moved to Charleston. We love it here. It's just beautiful. Um, and I work actually, have, um, I work as a consultant pharmacist for some insurance companies, but then my passion is really my work as a holistic pharmacist, kind of walking alongside women through navigating health journeys, including, you know, infertility, trying to conceive PCOS, um, a lot of things that I think traditional medicine chooses to treat and kind of ignore what I believe is the root of most things, which is our hormones, because we're female and that's what our bodies are kind of designed to run and work on. Um, So I really just Mm -hmm. love trying to shed light and come alongside people and just offer any support and help I can through those times. So help clarify for me, whenever I think of a pharmacist, this is probably so wrong. I think of, I go to the doctor, he gives me a prescription and I take it to the pharmacy. And if they, the pharmacist says, do you have any questions? And I say no. And then I leave. So what do you, what does a holistic pharmacist do? 
Yeah. Um, so I have actually done some special residencies and trained and worked inside physician's office. So you would go see your doctor and then he would say, you know, cause now doctor's appointments are about 15 to 20 minutes, right? So if you had more questions, yeah, super quick. Yeah. Um, if you had more questions or he was prescribing a medication, um, or you were just like, Hey, is there anything I can do besides just take medication? Um, you know, that might help what's going on. Then he might would direct you to, um, what traditionally my role was in the physician's office, which was to have an appointment with the pharmacist. And so, um, I would sit down with women and say, you know, like, well, what are your goals? How are you getting there? Like, what are some lifestyle and diet and just kind of like overall supportive things you can do for your body in addition to the medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I kind of talked to them about like, why are you taking this medicine or why did the doctor recommend it? What have the trials and studies said in terms of, you know, if it's a good fit for you or not? And it really just kind of allows women to have this empowerment of understanding like what is going on. I think so, I mean, it's just been so kind of ingrained and culturally we've just started like if a doctor gives us a prescription, there's this blind trust and we take it and we move on. Mm -hmm. Um, But doctors are human just like the rest of us. And all we have to go off of are studies and trials that are done in populations that might not be, you know, super reflective of everything um, that's going on with you specifically. And so once I, we moved, I actually was able, I wasn't in a physician's office any longer. So I kind of took that practice out into, um, like my own solo kind of passion project. So I do it really virtually. Um, yeah. And so it's almost the same type of thing. So if someone says like, Hey, my doctor told me I had PCOS, they want to give me this medication. I'm able to come alongside them and look at number one, their body as a whole. So that's where the holistic part comes from. And we really look at root causes. So, okay, what is the symptom that made your doctor think that or the qualifications for diagnosis? What caused that? And what are ways that we can support your body to walk through it? Um, Same thing with infertility. When we went through our journey, it was kind of like no one really knew what was going on. So they just started prescribing me medicines. And I was like, well, wait, like, what will this medicine do to help me if XYZ isn't the cause of what's happening? Um, And I did run into physicians that just didn't care. They were like, well, I don't know, but it might work. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about something that kind of changes the way our body's interacting, not just internally, but then also changes things like our mood and our feelings and um, even like chemical hormone balances in our brain. I'm kind of like, no, no, no. Like this is important. We need to focus on this a little bit. Um, so really kind of looking at, again, the holistic aspect is root cause, trying to figure out what is going on. Why do you have like mood swings or stubborn weight or infertility? And how can we realign your body? Because our bodies are really, really smart, right? Like God designed them so intricately. And I think about the fact that a woman can grow a life, have a child, um, and essentially her body go through 40 weeks of these insane changes. And then we can Mm. look and like three months later, their body's for the most part functioning right back at normal. So our bodies have this built-in system to be resilient and rebalance our hormones. It's Mm -hmm. just that we have to learn how to support them through that process. Um, And sometimes that support does not involve medicine and sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't involve diets and the cultural messages that are kind of thrown at us. Um, And so I really kind of like to kind of be that light through all of that and say, hey, like, let's at least provide you the education and the empowerment to know how to make these choices on your own and to pray through them. And, you know, to just have this sense of peace that comes along with your decisions through your health journey. Well, you mentioned it. So what has been your journey so far with 
your story, your infertility, how you got your son Judah. Yes. Um, so we kind of, I will say, I kind of always knew that adoption was on my radar. And then, um, my husband really, I will say he agreed and was like, yeah, we'll have, um, kids that we adopt at some point in our lives. And so we (laughs) decided to pursue biological babies first. And I would say after I'm a very impatient person. So at about six months, I was like, all right, let's adopt. (laughs) And he was like, what? (laughs) This is not working. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we kind of kept pursuing it, kept pursuing it. We did, you know, the standard tests that you'll do. I had a couple, I went to a couple different doctors who said, you know, everything's normal. Everything's panning out. We'll prescribe you these medicines regardless. And, um, some of them I took for like a couple of days, but just kind of knew, like I was not at peace with that decision. Um, and so we really just kind of kept pushing through. And then, um, my husband, you know, he, he eventually, we kept talking about it and I didn't, I won't say I pressured, but I did keep bringing it up and we finally agreed like, okay, let's take a week and I'm not going to ask you about it for a week. I'm not going to bring it up. We're both just going to pray about it separately. And then we're going to come back together and talk about it. Um, and my husband really had a very clear God moment during that week, actually the night before we had our scheduled date to talk about it. And he, I mean, it was a hundred percent at that point. He was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's go. And so we started the adoption process, continued, you know, we never have stopped trying for biological babies, but we definitely stopped pursuing, um, any type of like medical, basically opinion or intervention. Um, I was kind of like, I know I, I really threw myself into research and just learning as much as I could about hormones and females and infertility and, um, kind of threw myself into, me becoming my own doctor. Um, and so once I got to the Mm -hmm. point where I knew like my hormones are good and like, we are right, like it is fine. It is just God's timing. Um, so we walked through our adoption and we actually had, we have a really interesting adoption story. Um, it did go fast. We had one case that was what we would call a, um, I guess a failed adoption is kind of the word for it. Um, we were matched with a a little girl who actually passed away at birth. Um, but was, born at 25 weeks, I believe. Um, so just kind of a really hard situation. And then we were matched with our son and I was just really hesitant. My husband was hesitant. There were a lot of things around his case that we were just nervous. Like if this baby would, I guess I won't say meet our expectations, but of course we had expectations and we wanted like a healthy baby to bring home. Right. And so we definitely had concerns about that. Um, but there was something in us. We just said yes. And, um, come to find out despite what nurses and doctors and probably what most of the world would tell us about, um, you know, what our son's life would look like. It has been the complete opposite and he's perfect. And there are, we have a completely healthy baby. Um, and so mm. I, I do, I, I don't share his public or his story, um, you know, all the intricate details of it very publicly because we do, you know, honor that it is his story and his mom's story. Right. Um, mm. but he is, I mean, legitimately just this walking miracle. Um, and I mean, blew mm. the minds of all the doctors that see him still. Um, but we were told like a 10 week NICU stay that didn't happen. It was three days. Um, And then we were, you know, kind of told like, you'll see residual effects and we may see some things eventually, but as of right now, he is a hundred percent. I mean, the Lord has just healed and provided and we feel like God just like put this bubble of provision over him and protection and, um, exactly what Mm -hmm. we prayed for. And so, um, that is what he is. And we eventually did. Um, so after we had Judah, we kind of, 
um, went and looked back at like the biological baby aspect of things. Um, and we did find out that there is a male factor in fertility thing that's playing a role in our story. Um, so then we kind of sat with, Mm -hmm. okay, like, what does this look like? Do we (laughs) do IUI and IVF? Like they said, that's the only way you'll get pregnant. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, or fertility beds. And so for us, we really sat and wrestled with that for a while, but I have really felt the Lord just speaking over us that he does not need, you know, a certain number or shape or size of sperm. He needs, he doesn't really need anything, but (laughs) essentially one is all. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and I mean, technically he's worked with none before baby Jesus. Um, so we really do feel that, you know, Jesus paid for our healing and we have authority to speak into that healing over our bodies and to really just trust that if that is a miracle and a gift that he is going to provide for us, that he will do it. And that we just don't have to, um, you know, obviously continue stewarding our bodies, but we don't have to seek out and do, and it, it just takes this whole pressure off of you, you know, um, Mm -hmm. to just kind of sit and know like, okay, God, we'll just trust you with it. Um, and so we actually are about to walk, we just finished our home study. So we're starting our second adoption. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're walking through that again and really just trusting that, you know, whatever babies God has for us, they're headed to us in the right time and the right way. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And once he shows you that miracle, I won't say it, it makes me sad that I couldn't believe him to the extent that, I can now. And I think it's because once he opened my eyes and I just saw the miracle and what he did through Judah and that promise of a baby that he brought to life and fulfilled for us, it almost like made me so mad that I couldn't just trust that without seeing it. But now that I do, I'm like, man, God, like I have to really, really trust you. Um, because I have no reason. I mean, not to like, you've blown us away. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, him doing that, we know he will do it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the disciples doubted him when they walked, when they walked the earth with him after he was fulfilling prophecy after prophecy and healing people and then he was, you know, raised from the dead and they still were like, wait a second, is that you? And he said, come here and touch my, touch me. I'm real. So yeah, we doubt a little bit. It's called being human. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I love what you said though, about, about the, you know, about the birth of Jesus and Mary, like we, that's what my husband always would say when we would go in for treatments or IUI. They're like, well, there's only 5 million sperm. And, um, you know, once they're washed, it's probably going to be a third of that or whatever they said. And um, he'd be like, well, we only need one. Exactly. <laughs> we only need one. Exactly. And that's true about 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 the Christmas story. I mean, the whole it, it was a miraculous birth. And I think going into Christmas season pretty soon where that's that's kind of a cool thing to think about is, you know, God, God performed miracles from the beginning of time, but just the fact that Christmas is actually about a miraculous conception. Yeah. That's, that's super cool when you're walking through infertility to think about. Exactly. So true. So you mentioned to me before that um, even the yes to God's prompting that you don't think you mean, and I had to read it a couple of yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you don't think you mean, but you said yes, or are prepared for will be, will be used for miracles. What did you mean by um, that? So really that I feel like there are times where like deep, deep down inside of us, we can kind of know that God is like prompting us or stirring us. Um, and typically, especially if you're walking through adoption, so you're placed with a bunch of, um, potential cases and you have to say yes or no. Right. And so there were so many that a part of us were like, oh yes, like this is, and essentially again, you always assign an expectation. Right. And so 
we would say like, we connect to this case or this mom and this is it. And then you start like dreaming of what that child is like. But there are even some yeses where God is prompting and stirring you and you know that, you know, he's wanting you to say yes, but everything inside of you is like, no girl, like this is not it. Um, And even things like that the world is telling us that in the natural seem so just like, there's no way this would happen. There's no way, you know, this could be the plan. There's no way you'll get the results you want if you take this step. Um, And so everything inside of you can almost be saying no or be like, you're crazy if you do this. But if you're saying yes, and you know that that is like that deep, deep inside of you, like God has told you to, then those are the best yeses to say yes to, I feel like, because you just have to know, like whatever outcome comes from this, like he is going to do something great and it's going to be a miracle. And so even Mm. something like our yes to a baby that was not born and given to us as we had hoped and expected, um, was still something that he, he did a miracle through that. So we can see where like that still led us to Judah. And so Judah's, you know, that miracle, but he performed all these tiny little miracles just because we said, yeah, we trust you, Lord, um, on the way to a different miracle that we didn't even think was on our horizon. Right. Um, and so Mm -hmm. even things like, I mean, our, like what we had fundraised and there was just so much provision over like our process and us being able to adopt Judah even after, um, that situation that it was just so clear to me, like, man, like I should probably, you know, even if I'm feeling that, like, no, this doesn't make sense. This is never going to work. If he is telling me to say yes, like I need to do it because he could have something so much bigger and so much greater that like my mind doesn't even have the capacity to consider at this point. Um, and even when that looks like, something hard and terrible. There's times where you sit there and you're like, okay, God, I said yes. And that's what you asked me to do. And now this is happening and I'm not okay with it. It makes me sad and it hurts. And I'm, I'm just over it. Um, and I really feel like he is just wanting you to say that next yes again and again and again. And then I think when you see the promise at the end, you're like, oh man, like I am so sorry that I tried to hold back. Um, And I actually, Mm -hmm. this was explained the other day and I thought about it and I was thinking about it with what we were saying earlier, but you think about um, Abraham laying down Isaac on the altar, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, he prayed for this Mm -hmm. baby and you know, he was a baby of promise. And then God asked him to give it up and he was okay with that. And I was like, man, I would never be okay with that. That's what I've always thought. (laughs) Um, But then someone was explaining how when God told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a baby, like her womb was dead. His sperm were zero. I mean, we can assume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they, it took them saying yes to believing that, saying yes to having that faith over and over for years and years and years. And then when God brought that promise to them, it it makes, it it almost is like, oh man. So they knew that God had the capacity to raise from the dead, that God Mm -hmm. had the authority to bring things to life and to essentially perform Mm -hmm. miracles. And so then you think like, yeah, Abraham probably was okay saying yes, because he knew God could just heal Isaac and bring him back if, you know, that's what he needed. Yeah. There was a whole generation to come from him. So he knew knew something had to be there. And it's because he had watched God bring, he had said yes Mm -hmm. to allowing God to bring dead things to Mm -hmm. life. Um, And that, in quote unquote, dead things just means hopeless situations, situations that like in the natural, again, like they just seem so foreign. The world thinks you are crazy for believing them. Um, 
but that's how God works. That's the spirit world is so different. Our eyes do not, you know, see and know the things that he is doing. And I feel like the same thing can be said, you know, if you flip it, sometimes everything in you wants to say yes, but you feel like God is saying no. And I've had, there's been so many women that come on and it was our story too. Whenever the doctors say, well, here, here is your best option and your prime candidate for this. Everything lines up for this treatment and you should do this, but every, but you know, even though you want to, because you want to be moving forward and following that dream, you feel like God's saying, no, wait, no, sit, no, be still. And it's, and it's hard to do that because you're, everything says yes, Yes. but um, there's miracles in that no. And we've experienced that there are miracles in your nose. And so so I love, I love that. And I sat with that too for a while with, um, I mean, I actually, I believe I still have them. Um, Like the ovulation drugs. Um, so not even to do IUI or IVF, they were just like, Hey, take these pills. And I was like, okay. And so I have them. And every time, I mean, I have picked them up and gone back to them multiple times and there's just something inside of me that God is telling me no. And I'm like, okay, God, but they have Mm -hmm. a 65% chance of working. And (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if you've read this study or not, God, but (laughs) 65 is pretty good. God. I mean, let's, let's talk about this. (laughs) Especially when we hear of other So like I hear of, you know, someone else who took them and they got pregnant twice the first month they took them. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm taking them. And like, that is just so hard to wrestle with because again, like Mm -hmm. it's so easy for us to want what other people have or to see someone else's miracle and feel like ours needs to come the same way or that if it worked for them, then like that is what God has in plan for us. And, um, I mean, I can even just think like if we hadn't have walked through, each like specific month and timeline and like everything, then we, and a lot of people say like, you won't miss your baby, quote unquote, but like every single part of it was so divinely like put on a calendar and it basically prepared for us to lead us to Judah. And like, I couldn't imagine any other baby being our baby. Um, And I know people, when you say you wouldn't miss your baby, you mean like you're not going to mess up and not have the child that was supposed to be for you. Yes. 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 So like people say, you know, like, Oh, well, if we had done this, we wouldn't have adopted, you know, so-and-so. And, And, um, then the response to that is usually like, well, you know, you can't miss your baby. Meaning that like, God's not going to give you the wrong person. So if you end up with someone else, I'd be okay. But I just think that there is such a sweetness about the timeline and the way God has his hand over the adoption process that I do think, every, it makes every month that spent, that was spent in pain and disappointment worth it because those months added up to the timeline that gave us, you know, this baby that is just so perfect for us. Um, Mm -hmm. and he could have done that in any way he wanted, but I think the way he used it, um, and I think most people that adopt or end up with their miracle baby will look back and feel the same way. Um, uh, yeah, I wrote before we, before we had our daughter, um, What's so probably seven years ago, I wrote on my blog back when I was blogging through the, through our journey, I wrote, um, every delay and every, you know, every month that passes is just one more month bringing us closer to the, per- to the right child for us. Cause we didn't know if it was going to come naturally yeah. or adopt, but I just, I've, every time it passed and every time I got a negative test, it was like, okay, well that was, this wasn't uh-huh. supposed to be it or that, you know, there's a, there's a baby waiting for us somewhere, whether that's going to be through conception or, or adoption or fostering, whatever that may be it was going to bring us to the right one that God had, God had planned way before we were yeah. born to come into our home and for us to be our parents, to us, for us to be yes. his parents. So it's so good. And we, that. 
I always, I mean, I won't say always, but I always found it so ironic, you know, when you see families that have adopted children, but then you look at the children, you're like, no way that child's adopted. Like they look identical to the parents. Um, and I always was like, Oh God, so funny like that, but never anticipated it for us. And girl, (laughs) my son is spitting image. Um, Yes. He looks just like both of us. And I just think it's so funny because I'm like, man, God, you, you fooled me. Cause I, I knew you had that in you, but I just didn't think that was for us, but it was, and it has been, which is just so funny. Yeah. We have friends that have a little boy and he looks just like their yeah, dad. His so dad. Sweet. And we're like, I That's know. Weird. It, it's almost like even, um, so we didn't know our birth mom until, um, <clears throat> until like three weeks before Judah was born. And the nurses at the hospital asked if my husband and her were brother and sister because they thought that they, you know, favored Mm -hmm. each other so much. And I was like, no, they're not. But, you know, we're forever connected now. (laughs) So it's really sweet. Yeah. So what's been your experience going back to your your role as a holistic pharmacy? What's pharmacist? What is your experience with, you know, you talked about your own journey with you kind of became your own doctor, but how have you been able to help others from that angle? So I feel like, um, what I was able to do is really, really focus in and learn on how do we honor our hormones and support our hormones to essentially realigning themselves to find balance. Um, and our bodies do it. So it doesn't look the same for everyone. So what I do, um, or what, how I've been able to kind of help people now is looking at symptoms. So every symptom that we get annoyed with that we just, you know, are even praying away sometimes is actually a sign or a signal from our body that's telling us what's going on. So I can remember like battling stubborn weight gain and being like, it won't go away. Like I'll do anything to make this go away. Right. And so I'm just like pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing's happening. Um, And then when I started to realize like how our bodies work, how intricately they communicate with us, how hormones are basically the communicators through every system in our body, it allowed me to kind of realize probably what imbalance was causing, you know, that extra weight or chin acne or essentially irregular periods. Um, I went through a time where I didn't have a cycle for like years. Um, And what I thought was just like, good because nobody really wants one until you're trying to have a baby, um, was actually my body like trying to tell me that my stress levels were too high. So it just turned off my reproductive system because a body that's in that Mm -hmm. much stress is like, no way are we bringing another baby or, you know, another life in here to protect us when we don't have, um, or to help, you know, to grow when we don't have the nutrients or the protection or like anything we need to function right. And so, um, Mm -hmm. what I do now is kind of help women look at where they're at, look at their symptoms, look at their goals and say, okay, here are all the different options. And here are some things we can start doing today that help kind of steward you towards whatever those goals are. So if it's something like chronic fatigue, um, then I'll walk through with someone and say like, yeah, you could take, you know, um, caffeine pills, or you could have more coffee, or you could go see if the doctor thinks your thyroid's off and you could take thyroid meds or whatever it may be. Um, but here are some other reasons or some hormone imbalances that could be causing that. And nine times out of 10, it's not just chronic fatigue. We find like six or seven other symptoms that they've just lived with and have thought is like normal life. Um, that Mm -hmm. are actually, when you put all of them together, like a little puzzle, it tells us like, oh, well, your estrogen's just way too high. 
or you have really high estrogen activity because sometimes it's not actually that the level's high. It's that there's all these other things kind of activating your receptors. And so um, then we say, okay, here are the ways we can lower it this month. Here are the things you can do throughout your cycle because women's hormones function on a monthly um, like timeline, whereas for guys, it's a daily timeline. And it's something that I never knew either. So you know, I was thinking like, okay, well, if I do something for five days, I should see a difference. Right. Um, but right. (laughs) Um, but we work on a monthly basis. So everything we do happens over the course of one month. Whereas a guy can have like fluctuations in energy and mood. And, um, I'm trying to think what else, like even muscle growth over a 24 hour period. So we see that in like most trials and studies and medications are all like studied on males. And so when you have like that stark of a difference between a 24 hour cycle and a 30 day cycle, um, things just get really jumbled. Is that why guys lose weight faster than women? Yes. Because they can do something for five days. (laughs) Um, and (laughs) yeah. And and, I mean, it's smart if you think about it. So like a female body's only goal from the time that they are basically in childbearing years is to reproduce. Like that is your body's goal every single month. So if you're doing anything that's not stewarding that goal, like, I don't know, having a nine to five job or a career or raising other children, (laughs) then your body is being essentially like thrown, not thrown, but has the potential to be thrown these extra hormones and these extra signals that are telling it that it's not going to get the job done of making a child that month. Um, and so then we have, you know, result is super painful periods or PMS or endometriosis or chronic fatigue. Um, or even like your thyroid starts shutting down because your body's thinking like it needs to be going, going, going all day. Um, So yeah, all of that to say that in the westernized medical community, so like doctors and practitioners and stuff that are just very traditional, this whole concept of kind of like the female hormone system and how it's working and how we can honor it isn't highlighted or focused upon to the level that I think it should be. And so I just come alongside women and really just provide them like as much education as they need. I do programs for them that kind of walk through the steps we could go through. Um, I make supplement recommendations because there's so many things out there that are marketed to people, Number, not just trying to conceive, but even like menopause or weight loss or whatever. Um, even just multivitamins that because they're not regulated by the FDA, they can kind of just be marketed to you and claim whatever they want to claim. Um, And so I kind of look and say, okay, well, these are the studies and these are the types of forms of these um, vitamins that will actually be absorbed in your body. So there's tons of people that are taking magnesium, but there's only really one to two forms of magnesium that will actually be absorbed by your body. And so um, that's just an example. So I kind of come in and say like, oh, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let me help you kind of decipher through all of this noise and really understand what Mm -hmm. your path is, why you're doing that, and what role your hormones play in it. So that way, when someone suggests something to you that you know, like is not aligning with what your root cause is, then you can say like, yeah, I'm going to try this instead or ask them to even explain to you how it's going to actually create long-term and lasting restoration and healing and improved communication of in your body rather than like, mm-hmm. okay, take this pill. You won't be tired. 
if you always take this pill every day, right? <laughs> um, so right. yeah, that's kind of my my heart now. It's just kind of especially for women because we do get kind of lost in the in the I guess like I won't say male dominated, but a lot of the research and a lot of the studies and medicines are really based on males and females are just such a different system. Hmm. That's interesting. So if I want to lose the same weight as my husband lost in five days, it's gonna take me five months. Is yeah, what probably I hear you girl. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the other thing, like, so males can just like drop their calories and their body responds just fine. But when females drop our calories, it sends that signal. Yeah. That says like starving. Yeah. Yeah. And it tells you like your Mm -hmm. estrogen progesterone, like, oh, you should pack up and leave. Like there's no food in the area. So you're just going to have to, everything you do eat, like store it on, pack it on, save it for later. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the next time you try to diet again, that signals even higher and higher and worse and worse. And it's just such a cycle that I lived through and there's a lot of hopelessness that comes with it. So I am like, let me give you hope. Let me give you light. Like, let me just explain to you how beautifully God designed your body and how much it can heal without this dependence on, um, you know, chemical substances or someone else like telling you, you know, what you should do. Um, so yeah. That's so cool. If you can't tell my soapbox, I could talk for hours on all of that. <laughs> well, that's 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 why you called it your passion project. That's that means true. you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so what's your if I mean, gosh, what's your one piece of advice? What's your number one piece? I'm sure you can't pick one. Um, what is but what's like one thing that you would tell your clients that are walking through infertility? What's yeah. what's your advice? Um, so you're right, I can't do one, but I'll make it quick to be two. Um <laughs> the first one is do not let the enemy sneak in with hopelessness because that is something that I did not realize until we got out of the season that the enemy had a hold on me and really just created this sense of hopelessness. And that caused me, it made our journey, I think, I feel like just so dark. I don't know how to describe it besides dark or just really being in a valley. But when we are in valleys, like we have a light that is not just inside of us, but also beside of us. And so when the enemy comes in and like tries to just block that and you are caught up in hopelessness and you can't see it, the light is still there, but it's like you're putting a blindfold on your eyes as you're walking through this valley. And so I just encourage women as they go through it, like just find other people that can speak light and truth into you and really just like seek out any hope the Lord has for you and armor yourself up because that is a place that the enemy will try to attack us every single time. Um, I think infertility Mm -hmm. is probably one of his greatest, I don't know, like tools or whatever, but um, I just feel like we have so much authority over that. And God has already healed our infertility. Jesus paid for it on the cross. And so we can just speak life and authority and light through our situations. Um, And then the other one is to ask your doctor why you are doing the things you are doing. So just knowing, like, if you're going to take a medicine, why are you taking it? So if you're taking a medicine to, you know, cause ovulation, but you're already ovulating, just ask if that's really what you should be doing. Um, And, you know, sometimes you kind of do have to fight for your health. So I also, like, just encourage women to find a resource for them, whether it be, I I would encourage it not to be Google, um, but whether it be, um, like, a book you found or a resource or a podcast or some one in your corner that can help you navigate it. Because I know if I did not have a degree in pharmacy, which I was so blessed to have, 
I would be, I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to learn and put together all these pieces and like figure it all out without just blindly trusting someone. Um, so I really mm-hmm. encourage women to just find someone that they trust that they feel like can hold, grab their hand and walk them through that process just from even a non-biased, like educational standpoint. Um, and preferably someone that would pray for them while they do that. <laughs> um, yeah. just because yeah, that. if yeah. you're going to, if you're believing God for things, then like you need someone who can believe for those things with you and alongside of you and call those things to light mm-hmm. outside of you. So yeah, that would be it. Yeah, that's awesome. Those are great tips. <laughs> so how, so how could they connect with you if they're like, well, I don't have anybody, but you sound good. So how can I connect with you? Yeah, that would be perfect. Um, so I am at Dr. Heather Rhodes on Instagram and that is Heather and then R-H-O-D-E-S. And then my website's also www.drheatherrhodes.com. Um, I am on Facebook under Dr. Heather Rhodes. I, Facebook's a little quiet for me, but um, Instagram and my website mm-hmm. are pretty good spots to reach out. And then um, my email is just hello at drheatherroads.com. And I um, would love to even just email anyone who is even walking through the same season. Like I love connecting with people that are kind of just in the journey because again, like I remember feeling hope and sometimes you need someone to take that blindfold off of you and remove your grave clothes for you and show you that like you are being held in the arms of the father and like you, he is there and you can do it. Um, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. I love that. So normally we have, and I told you this when we talked about coming on, you know, I normally do not have people come on that give tips and tricks on how to get pregnant. And I love that you didn't come on and say, everyone needs to be on this supplement and get off this supplement. But you're, you just have such a holistic approach, like be your advocate, question your doctor and have somebody in your corner that prays for you and that encourages you and doesn't help you lose, lose hope. So I just love that you're, that you have that holistic perspective. That's why I wanted to bring you on today is we talk so much about the spiritual side, but there's also a very serious physical side to this too. And if you're not healthy physically, it can affect mm-hmm. your mindset. It can affect your hope. Um, so I love yeah, that. Yeah. And then understanding like healthy is so different for every person. Um, and like, mm-hmm. it just means something different for everyone. And so I, but, and I, I can't stress enough that I just love anyone putting out resources because your spiritual health is so important too. Um, so I just find it mm-hmm. so encouraging what your podcast is doing and, and how you are, again, like removing grave clothes and speaking that light into women walking through it. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on. I know you guys enjoyed hearing her story and her passion to manage our health with more of a holistic approach. The physical and spiritual are so intertwined. So many of you know this month, October, is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And today, October 15th, is actually Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. So many of the women that I've interviewed on here have experienced loss, but some of our episodes are specifically addressing loss and how to grieve and begin to heal and even how to handle pregnancy after loss. So I'm going to be sharing those this week on our Instagram. So make sure you go and look for those. And for those of you who this is you, you've experienced loss. I know you don't need a designated month to remember your baby. You think about them every single day. But one of the goals, I think, for a month for awareness things like this is for the world to stop and acknowledge you and your loss. So if that's you, we are so, so sorry for your loss. But as followers of Christ, God has made a way for us to experience eternal life with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you believe that, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I think we can all look forward to the day where you get to step into eternity and meet that baby face to face. 
So to all you mamas who have babies in heaven, today we see you, we acknowledge you, and we mourn with you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.